What's up everybody? It's Dan from Binder Boneyard. Coming at you from the office, like I always do. Still don't have the uh, remodel done at the house, but uh, I shouldn't say remodel, that's, that's a stretch. I don't have the uh, spare room done yet, uh, AKA the new office. So um, anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for following along. Thank you for all your social media support. I appreciate it very much. Um, just keep doing these things. I know they're not on the schedule they used to be on, but you know, I'm still trying to knock out when I can. So, um, I just, I'm, I'm just grateful for all the, you know, everybody that listens. And when I see it on Facebook and someone says, Hey, listen to this podcast, you know, I think that's great. So thank you for, for sharing the word, spreading the word. You know, we've got the Patreon account and people are giving a dollar, two dollars or whatever. And, you know, it all adds up and it's all super, super helpful. So if you're feeling inclined, you head over to Patreon and look for the Binder Boneyard podcast. And, um, you know, you just give what you can if you feel like it. So anyway, um, you'll notice in a lot of the international community that it's very scout centric a lot of uh you know resources are dedicated to scouts there are some shops out there that are scout only um you know they just and it, it makes sense you know they made so many scouts they were obviously the most popular um you know they they were the suv uh you know the the beginning of the suv craze and um, they had a lot going for them and, and so, uh, you know, yeah, it makes sense that scouts were so popular. Um, and so what you run into though, is you'll find that people know a ton about scouts and don't know anything about any of the other internationals. And, um, one of the things that we really pride ourselves on here at Binder Boneyard is that we work on all of them. Uh, well, we don't work on load stars or tractors or big trucks, but we work on all the light truck models. Uh, you know, we're midway through a 56 S120 restoration right now. Um, you know, we've got this 61 Travelette in here. We've got 73 Travel All. Uh, we do have a Scout 2 in here. Uh, so, you know, we work on pretty much all the internationals. And I feel like that's what you have to be. If you're going to be a, a legit IH shop, you really need to work on, on all of them. So, uh, over the years, I've developed um, things that I like about them. Uh, certain models are more favorite. For me than others uh, i really have a soft spot in my heart for the c series um full-size stuff and that's what we're going to talk about today is the um they're, they're referred to as c series because the first 
Um, so in 61, they started out as C, you know, C100, C110, C120. Um, so that's, they kind of picked up that name. Uh, but so let's back up just a touch. So 61 was a big year for international because not only did they, you know, they, they came out of the, the B models, um, with like the four headlights and the funny fenders and all that. Um, but they also introduced the scout. The scout 80 was launched in 61. And so there was a lot going on at IH at the time in this C series 61 was kind of a revolutionary, um, I don't want to say revolutionary, but it definitely was um, a little bit different than what they had been putting out in the past. Uh, brakes got bigger, more axle choices. Um, the travelettes and travel alls went from a three-door to a four-door um, you know, just, just a lot of things like that, um, different transmission choices and whatnot. So, um, since the podcast is all about the C series, that's where we're going to start the 61s. 61 and 62 had a four headlight design with a kind of concaved grill, a bunch of ovals in it, um, but it definitely has the shape of the body has the shape of all the other C models. Uh, you cannot put 61, 62 Valance, which is the whole core support, grill, headlight area, all that. You can't put that into a 63 and later. Um, I believe. Uh, someone tried and ended up having to do a fair amount of metal work around the headlight area to get the 61 and 2 balance to go into the later fenders. Um, there's just some things didn't line up right. It looks close, but um, from what I've seen, people tried to fit it and they don't quite match. Um, so like I said before, 61, you saw the the beginning of the four-door um, back window on the travel alls, you could still get barn door or power, but they did away with the clamshell style that the A's and B's had. Um, so they were just updating the way the rear seats, um, rear seat actually folded and tumbled kind of um, to make the cargo area larger. Um, you know, stuff like that. The The dashes were still similar to what the B series had with the gauge pod and the uh, kind of raised up above the column and that kind of thing, which I don't know, this, that's not my favorite. I don't care for that dash style. Um, but 61 and 2 were very, fairly similar. Um, like I say, they were C100, C110, C120s, C130s. Um, and then that carried on until 63 when they changed. They, they changed quite a bit. 
Um, the grill went back to a kind of a square, I don't know what you call it, egg crate looking kind of thing. Um, and then they had single headlights and amber marker lights. The 61s and 2s had clear markers, uh, clear signals. And then in 63, they went to amber signals. Um, and then they changed the dash to the round uh, round gauges, like you'll see through the rest of the series. Um, they had these little slits in the dash for the indicator lights uh, for right and left turn. Um, I did a, a YouTube video about how to identify that. So if you jump on over to YouTube, you can watch the video where I explain that. Um, but the interior's got a little bit different, different color vinyl seats. Um, you got the upgraded heater options came out. You start seeing air conditioning in them uh, with, it still was installed by the dealer, but it was more quote unquote factory looking. Uh, the earlier ones, some were still being installed by dealers, but they just were just scabbed together. Um, so by the mid 60s, they kind of started figuring out how to do it without it looking like hell. Um, 63, 64, they changed the model numbers were four digits now. So they were 1000s, 1100s, 1200s, 1300s. Um, and then the, they also got a letter designation. So they would, it would be, a, you know, A1100. Um, or B1100. So, um, it was just a funny, funny way of, uh, I don't know why they did it. I don't know why it changed like that. Like my 64 travel, I, I believe says it's a B1200. Um, but I'd have to look back at that, but people still refer to them as the C series. Uh, an interesting side note is that the windshields are the same from 57 late 57 uh, all the way through till 68 so the a and b truck windshields will still work in a c travel all or pickup um and so there were some grill changes so 63 and 64 had the same dash layout same grill uh they changed the np np202 transfer case became the standard i think the earlier ones were np 200s or np 201s um i that i'm not 100 percent certain on but i know every 64 that i've had come through here and later has had a 202 transfer case so that's that's what i can base that on um but yeah just little touches um interior lighting uh, dome light changed a little bit. Um, and then in 66, they, well, 65, they had a grill change to the horizontal bar, sorry, vertical bars with a horizontal emblem. And, uh, but just the emblem in the middle, no other, no other side to side bars. Um, the dash changed again. The stayed with the same round gauges, but 
they had um, the indicator lights were actually little green circles now little plastic things um, so uh, and then you started seeing the four-wheel drive indicator light showing up on the dash uh, my 64 has the indicator light on the dash some of the earlier 61 and 2s I've seen the light is under um, on a little tab that hangs from the bottom of the dash I think some of that was dealer option stuff because some I've had some come in here that had no indicator light and no way on the transfer case to even give you the option for indicators so you know I think some of that was whatever the dealer felt like doing which is common with international there was a lot of stuff done uh, by the dealers or by you know third-party upfitters that um, would be considered still factory if, if you're talking to somebody quote-unquote factory um, so you started seeing uh, in 65 there was a transmission update where you could start ordering the five speed um, in the overdrive or the direct drive you know the t34 being the overdrive and the t35 or 36 being the direct drive um, and i think part of that had to do with the american highways were getting faster um you know you had in the in the mid 60s you had the you know impalas and galaxies and you know the plymouth sport furies and other you know cars with big big motors that were capable of going real fast and it was becoming normal for you know the highway speeds to be above 65 um, even though the national highways networks hadn't quite become what they are today there was still a fair amount of interstate being put in across the country and i think i think people were starting to recognize that and so you know if you order a one ton like a you know a, a c1300 the lowest or tallest gear ratio you could get was a 430 uh so even with 916s and 430 gears you're still pretty slow on the highway but you could order that one ton with the t34 overdrive five speed which would bring your your gear ratio down like if you were in fifth that would be like having three you know 392 390 almost four to one in the axle so um, doesn't sound like a lot but it, it was enough to make going down the highway a little easier um, the problem with those overdrive trans is that they just have terrible gear splits they're they're really they're not a good towing transmission and they're they're hard to drive but anyway um, so yeah you started seeing the updates of the five speeds in the in the, in the pickups they were available in the heavy trucks uh, earlier of course but you didn't see it coming into the light line um, in a standard because I have a dealer book from 65 and it's listed in there as a, a optional transmission um, I don't have the earlier book so I don't know maybe it was still an option but honestly I don't I don't think I've ever seen you know a C120 C130 
with the five speed option. I think that was a, a little bit later. Um, and so, yeah, and then you started seeing in the 60s the heavier axles, you know, the, the RA-15s, um, the FA-18s, just heavier duty, bigger axles, bigger brakes. They um, they still, on the, on the three-quarter tons, they still use the terrible Lockheed-style brakes. They're just not good. Uh, I try and upgrade those whenever I can when they come in here, but... Um, you started seeing more color options. The, the trucks got more colorful. Um, some good like Aspen Frost and the, you know, Harvest Gold and um, of course the standards, you know, reds and whites. Um, you could get it in black, which fun fact, you could not order a Scout in black uh, in the 60s. Uh, it was, I mean, it's, well, you might have been able to, but in my dealer books, again, it says black was not an available option on a scout. So, um, yeah, and then you started seeing, you know, there was like nine foot step side beds. Um, and then, and then the, some of the military C series, you saw the super short bed. Um, there's a couple of travelettes that have come through here that had five foot. Um, fleet side beds so absolutely tiny beds uh, that were I guess ordered by the Air Force it was a pretty common thing I guess for the Air Force to order these super short beds for whatever reason I don't know if it was fitting them on fitting them on base somewhere or you know they figured you only needed to haul <laughs> five feet worth of stuff or or what I, I don't know but um, you know you were seeing optional things like that and then you started seeing it seems like more of them in the in the late 60s but the long bed travelettes um these two-wheel drive land yachts that they just you know supposedly for hauling campers and and whatnot and construction guys um but you had to really special order one if you wanted a four-wheel drive. Uh, I saw a discussion about it on Facebook the other day that we're not sure that there was ever really a long bed C-series four-wheel drive. Um, if there was one out there, it had to have been special ordered because all the pictures of old dealer lots and things like that, they're really hard to see if there's a four-wheel drive one. Lots of four-wheel drive short boxes, but not so much a long box. Um, so, so then uh, 66 had the same kind of uh, vertical grill bars, but now the grill had the horizontal emblem with the two um, little bars that continued across it. So the emblem on the grill looked like it went across the whole length of the grill. Um, the other thing to note I should bring up about those grills uh, and the valances is that the 63 and 4 valance uh, and the grill does not work on a 65 and up. You can change the valance, it bolts right into the fenders, but you're stuck with the 63 and 4 grill. The, the valance actually has a curve curved section around the headlights 
so that the 63 and 4 grill fits into it. Being that the 65 and 66 grills are all vertical, there's a, they're straight on the ends, and so they will not fit in the 63 or 4 valance. Uh, and vice versa, you can't put a 63 or 4 grill into a 65 to 68 uh, valance balance and core support it's all one thing if you've ever looked at one you can see it's the headlight bucket signal buckets uh, radiator all of it is it's all one giant unit it's really a terrible design because they rust from the inside out and then the whole thing just falls off um so yeah it really was was a bad design in my opinion so um, so 65, 66 have the horizontal bars, with the sorry, vertical bars with horizontal emblem in the middle. In 67, they changed the grill to a wire, like a mesh looking square thing. Uh, not my favorite grill, really. Uh, but it kept the same headlight rings as the 66 and 65s. Um, not much changed inside. Um, oh, they got the uh, parking brake warning light uh, and brake failure warning light on the dash. A little orange round plastic thing above the speedometer. And um, oh, the hazard flashers, the four-way flashers moved to the column uh, in 67. Some 66s had it. Uh, but but for 67 it became standard um, and then in 68 that's when it changed to it kept the same grill that same wire mesh kind of funny looking grill but the headlight rings went away and these big aluminum headlight cover things went on there I, I don't know they're just style the front end up or something but they went on um the so in the travel all travel ads and and in the pickups too you could order the driver's side fuel tank uh, as a as an auxiliary fuel tank it doesn't fit right it looks like hell it's all scabbed on um they just cut a hole in the fender it doesn't look as nice as the driver as the passenger side tank um, driver's side tank. The early ones were only 14 gallons. There were these little things. And then later on, um, they went up to the 18, 19 gallon, like the, like the passenger side tank. Um, but again, you would see the controls for that would be scabbed onto the bottom of the dash and hang off of a little bracket. Um, kind of weird looking thing. It has a little black um decal that tells you you know pull and turn or push and turn and so you can choose between the tanks and switch the fuel gauge uh, so that was another thing that came in there um yeah you know just continuing to do updates you start seeing the backup lights on the on the pickup beds um about 65 um, which they look, you know, they're the same as what the scouts had. 
And then by 68, they had the same style of backup lights as the 800s had. They, they, you could tell they started sharing a lot of parts across the models um, by 66 because the pickups had the same gauges as the Scouts, same indicator lights, um, a lot of the exterior lighting, the round lenses on the taillights and the backup lights were the same, um, you know, seat belts, little things like that were, were becoming, were bleeding across from the scout line or vice versa, the pickup line to the scouts. Um, you know, it's hard to tell who, what followed the other. Cause you know, in like 69, when the D series came out, they had the rectangle gauges and all that. But then the Scout 2 didn't come out until, you know, 70, late, late 71, early 72, before it had the square gauges. So was International testing out the rectangle gauges in the pickups, or did they start them with the pickups and then go, oh, these would go great in a Scout? Like, I don't know what the, the rationale was of them in it, but, you know, it makes you wonder where they were headed. Um, I'm sure some of it was cost savings. I know by the early 70s, International was already, you know, starting to hurt, um, you know, too many union strikes and gas embargoes and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, so what else was there? Oh, you started seeing in the, in the late 60s, 67, 66, 67, the deluxe interiors especially the travels with the um bucket seats with the center console uh you'd see the they had the fancy horn button with the ring um the gauges all had gold faces um the, there was a different emblem on the glove box door uh, they usually had um, power back windows and up model upholstery uh, carpet, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. It just kind of, they almost always had radios. I'm sure they all had radios. Um, and so, yeah, they really, they, um, went out of their way to try to class up the travel all, which was already pretty classy, but you see it and you saw it mostly in the half tons, you know, the 1100s, uh, the 1010. So the, I'm sorry, not 1010. The 1000, that was the station wagon cruiser, you know, I independent front end, fully boxed frame, uh, you know, almost always V8 and, uh, you know, r ran really low to the ground. They just were, they were cruisers and a lot of those were the deluxes uh, and, you know, they're just a great rig we've got to travel all here that's it's set up like that now and it's just a floating couch you know uh but they are hell to find parts for now you know tie rod ends idler arms and a lot of the suspension stuff is wore out and you can't get it same with the steering just wore out um i guess rare parts and some other people are remaking steering links now but they're not cheap so, um, so yeah, in 68, it kind of ushered in to the square body D's of 69. Um, you'll, you'll run into a lot of people with, um, 
69, well, 68 travel alls or pickups. They claim they're 69s. And, uh, you know, that's because that's when they were bought, not when they were made. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, the, the C-Series, They you started seeing, like, all the PTO winches. They were really heavy-duty. They marketed the trucks to the construction trades and the and the sportsmen so much. And you can see it in the dealer books. I might do um, another podcast with some dealer books. And, you know, you had various, you know, power lock differentials. You could get power lock in the front axle which is not fun if you have manual steering, but you could get an optional power steering, which was the two Rams. Terrible, terrible design, these Rams. Uh, not until 68 did they actually switch to the traditional uh, frame-mounted gearbox like they have nowadays. Um, 68s had a lot of special stuff. The valance was different because it had to clear the steering box. It had a two-piece column again for the steering box and for the safe crash safety standards it had actual collapsible column um you know the brakes had a different plate on the firewall for the separated brake and clutch master cylinders i've seen several with power brakes and i'm not sure if that was a dealer thing or not um because it uses a bizarre um uh, brake booster but anyway yeah, just a lot of interesting upgrades in 68 that, that you know, were kind of um, clues for what was coming. But, yeah, you know, like I say, the dealer books, they've got PTO winches, and, of course, everything had a gun rack, um, the increased capacity heater, air conditioning, uh, you know, the, the different tires. The, the 750 16s were, like, standard on anything four-wheel drive. Um so yeah they just they were marketing the hell out of these things to be used and so you could see it uh in the way that they did the like i said with the various attachments and things you could get for them so i think international was really pushing towards the t towards that market and and that might have what been what alienated them from some of the other parts of the market but i don't know i think they built a a goddamn heavy-duty truck that, you know, I think is way better than a lot of the same trucks of the other makes, you know. I had a 69 Ford F100. That was my first car, actually. And, uh, yeah, it's a nothing compared to what my internationals are. So, anyway. I'm going to not go down that rabbit hole since we are at the end of the podcast, so... Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. I uh, hope you learned something. And uh, tell your friends. Feel free to donate. And until uh, next time, I'm Dan for Binder Boneyard. Mm -hmm.